live from Buffalo Wild Wings. Let me tell you something, man. I'm looking for somebody that's funky. To DLC's dope. Let's go find him. Yeah. Y'all ready for this? This is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Okay. Okay, let's do this. Okay. I'm in the club now. Hey. Buffalo Wild Wings is a spot. 150 East Centennial. On Fridays, we kick it at Buffalo Wild Wings. We hang out. We stay nice and warm. Unlike probably our next guest. It's probably not nice and warm right now, but maybe he is. We bring in Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. And, Paul, are you uh, nice and warm right now in Pittsburgh? I'm chilling with the D and to the O and to the C. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the Bay Area, man. I'm good. I'm oh, sorry. I heard I'm not that. Going to Pittsburgh, so I'm even better. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm not mad at that. I am not mad. Hey, yeah. man. Me and you, we we are cut from the same cloth. I'm not mad at you at all, man. Well, it's good to have you on always, man. It's great to come in with some yeah. DLC too. That's even better. Great request by you to make sure that uh, Demond made that happen. When you look Shout at this, out Demond, no doubt. Yeah, exactly. When you look at this game and you look at the weather and you look at everything that's going into it, Franco Harris, the passing of him. I mean, what a what is just what are your initial thoughts heading into this game on Saturday? It's just crazy the way things work out. I mean, the fact that the NFL scheduled this game for the day after the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Deception, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, interception, however you want to call it, reception. Um, and then for, for Franco to pass away this week, again, it's just one of those things where you're like, wow, man, the, the, the universe just really truly does work in strange and mysterious ways for all this stuff. Because, you know, in talking with Phil Villafiano, as I'm sure you have over the years as well, you know, it's it's, it's something that they really identify with, and uh, because he was on the field and he was clipped, and there were so many things, weird things that happened in that game, and now you're going into what essentially, in my mind, is an elimination game between the Raiders and the Steelers um, for the playoff race anyway this year, and then with the cold weather and and it's Christmas and the anniversary and Franco passing, it's just one of those things where it's like. You can't really write a script for it any way, any more than you could have written a script for so many Raider games this year. Whether it was Baker Mayfield, whether it was Chandler Jones last week, all these strange things. It's it's you know a season is a season into itself, a game into itself, a play into itself, and just rolling into this weekend, it's just again there's so many storylines to pay attention to that uh, you know Franco Harris passing a week shy, less than a week shy of the 50th anniversary again just makes you kind of sit back and go, wow, just what's really at play here. Right, exactly, and there has been so many storylines throughout this year for the Silver and Black. I mean, Jeff Saturday gets his coaching debut against the Raiders. Baker Mayfield is with the Rams for a couple minutes, you know, and then he's out there on the field against the Raiders. And now this game, the 50th year anniversary of the Immaculate Deception, reception, we know how it goes down. So do you think that the the Steelers could use that energy, that I want to say motivation, but that only lasts so long, but do you think that they can use that extra – that extra oomph in this game against the Steelers or against the Raiders? No doubt, no doubt. I'm I'm a big believer, Q, in in mode, um, in momentum, in things that are just that you can't put a finger on. I'm a big believer in stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, have I played in the NFL? No, I've been around the NFL for a while, though. I did play you know, organized sports as a kid, like most of us did anyway. And I really do believe that there's something to that, and I do think that the Raiders are, are walking into a hornet's nest, really, with the emotion that's going to be in that stadium. Uh, I do wonder, though, if the weather's going to literally put a damper on it um, right. and, and kind of cool things off in more ways than one. But, yeah, Pittsburgh is going to really be, a, um, I hate to even say on fire, but right. the emotions are going to be uh, at an all-time high 
especially again with what they're uh, celebrating and what with what they're commemorating with the passing of Franco Harris this week. That's what I think. I mean, I just think they're going to come out of that locker room with their hair on fire. Like I said, I don't know if they can sustain that throughout the course of the game, right. and obviously the Raiders will have something to say about that as well. But it's one of those, Paul, and you, hey, you've been in combat sports. It's almost like you, you have to weather that initial beat-up and then say, <laughs> okay, all right, now that you got that out of your system, now are you ready to fight? It feels like they just have to weather the storm, and no pun intended with the weather, but it's going to be that way too. No, literally, and, and it goes back to what Mike Tyson said. Speaking of combat sports, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. got a plan until they got get punched in the mouth. So we'll see exactly how the Raiders weather that there, and and you know, you get, it's 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 Groundhog Day again. When you start pulling up Derek Carr's stats in cold weather games, not <laughs> all that good. Right. But um, again, just because, especially this year, too, just because something looks like it's going to go a certain way, that's the opposite because it's right. gone that way all season long. Yeah, no, that's been proven a million times over in just the 15 weeks that we've seen of Raider football this week. And even in the NFL, I mean, hell, uh, who would have thought that the, the Vikings would come back from 33 down at halftime to win a game, but they did that just last week. So anything is possible. Whenever you think you know, just proves that you don't know. Again, we're talking with Paul Gutierrez from ESPN here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So what do you think the Josh McDaniels game plan should be for this game? Like, How does he uh, attack the Steelers' defense? Run the ball. You got to run it. And, and I know that the Steelers do have a top 10 uh, rushing defense, but you got to set that tone early. And with Josh Jacobs and, and you know, for the first time in over a month, he's not on the injury report, which is a good thing for him, right? Because it wasn't that long ago when I was talking with Josh in the locker room and he was kind of bragging about how he felt so good so late in the season. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it caught up to him. So you got to feed, you got you got to pound the rock in, in those conditions, especially. And then you're able to take a shot down the field. And it's, it would be like that anywhere else, but especially in these conditions, you've got to be able to control the ball on the ground. I think the Steelers are going to try and do the same thing. We're going to see a game that may last maybe three hours or less because they're going to run the ball so much and that clock's mm-hmm. going to keep, keep going. But again, there's so much on the line here because they're both six and eight. To me, it's essentially uh, an ordination kind of a situation for both teams. Um, yeah, the Raiders still have a shot. They got to win out for, the, for their best shot to, to come to fruition. But um, that, that's what they have to do. They have to get there. They have to realize, you know what, let's just play and right. see what happens. And that's how they won those four games at the end last year. They didn't go out there in Cleveland thinking, okay, we've got to beat the Chargers in the finale to get in the playoffs. No, they went to Cleveland thinking, okay, we've got to beat the Colts. Okay, we've got to beat the Broncos. Yep. Okay, we've got to beat the Chargers one week at a time. And that's the way they've got to do this. They've got to win one snap at a time, one play at a time. And at the end of the day, from the Raider perspective, if they have more points, then boom, they've accomplished their goal. You know, we have people that call us or text us in and say that they feel like at times the play calling is, is finding some success. They're doing some things right, and then all of a sudden they'll go away from it. Have you felt through over the course of the season that there's inconsistent play calling as far as when something's good to stick with it? Consistently inconsistent, yeah. And that's, that's I think, would be the theme of the season, besides just all the strange things that have happened that we've witnessed, that we've covered, that we've talked to guys in that locker room about. Um, yeah, and, and again, we're not NFL coaches, right? But we're observers. Right. Yeah. And when you see something and you feel it, you say, hmm, why, why did they go away from Josh Jacobs? Why did they not pound the rock uh, against Arizona and just set themselves up uh, for a touchdown or for a field goal there to beat the Cardinals instead of passing to Hunter Renfro two times in a row? Right. You know, and, and we saw what happened there. It has been, and, and, and again, people got to remember that, you know, while Josh McDaniels has been a play caller, he hasn't been a head coach. Yeah. yeah, since 2010. So there's a lot of learning curves that we're still trying to figure out exactly where that curve breaks throughout the season. And um, that, 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 that has been, to me, one of those things. And, 
you know, and Josh McDaniels, to his credit, he wins a lot of press conferences, no doubt. But he'll say, you know, that, that he's never called a perfect game. And right. there's no perfect game really to be called. You just call the best game you possibly can. And uh, it would be interesting, though, to, to, to be a fly on the wall in one of those day-after things and see exactly how he self-scouts himself in terms yeah. of the play calling going forward. Because you can only call the plays as to what you think is going to be the most successful for that situation for the personnel you have on the field as well. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Again, Paul Gutierrez is our guest from ESPN here on Radio Nation Radio 920 and SA Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> but <laughs> with this team, do you think that that sense, obviously you can't lose any more games, but do you think that the Raiders players feel that pressure? Uh, I don't know if it's a pressure, a stress, or, and I remember learning this word in junior high school, or a you stress, a good stress, right? So, I, yeah, I, I think they, they realize they're in this situation because they were not able to put together complete games throughout this season. Uh, yeah, they've won six games, but they're four plays away from winning four more, and yet they're four plays away from losing four more. And it all comes out in the wash. And, mm-hmm. and I know you're referencing the story that I have today, and, and I quote my guy Lloyd, Lloyd Christmas. I think all of us know Lloyd Christmas <laughs> from Dumb yep. and Dumber, you know. Um, and, and, yeah, it, it, it's out there. It is out there. Now, as unlikely as it is, I mean, who would have thought that after Derek Carr threw that deep pass to Zay Jones that got picked off in Cleveland last year, that the Raiders would be going to the playoffs? Because it looked like that was it. Done. Shut it down. All good. Instead, the Browns go three and out, and the Raiders come down, and boom, kick a field goal, end the game, and they go on their run. So, pressure, I think they're looking forward to the challenge. And if they can somehow survive whatever awaits them in Pittsburgh, um, then, you, you know, you got two games at home, granted against two monster teams, but, hey, that's why they play every weekend, right? I heard that. And something else, the big story from last week was the, hey, these last four games are basically going to be a test or Derek Carr is going to be graded. Do you think that maybe the, this game here in Pittsburgh, since the offense isn't going to be you know, spreading it out the field and chucking it away, that maybe that's not as true as we were led to believe? Depends upon if they've already made up their minds. And I've heard, I've heard whispers one way and I've heard whispers the other, too. So, um, you know, when it comes to Derek Carr's future, and I know, I know Q, you ask me all the time before we get off, what am I working on to kind of scoop myself? But that's actually what's coming up soon. Is, you know, we're here at Groundhog Day again. We're at the end of the season. Okay, wither Derek Carr, and, and that's where we go. Now, is it a fair test of his skill set and, and, and everything that he has right now in a game like this? Absolutely, because this is the way the schedule works itself out, right? I mean, yep. there is no fair or unfair. It's just kind of the way it goes. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where, depending upon how they perform, how they, they handle the, the, the pressure, how they handle the elements, and just handle their own business, that is going to speak louder um, if they're still auditioning, so to speak, than you know, getting a, a win or a loss. Although, going back old school, Al Davis always said, it doesn't matter how well you play, it just matters if you win or lose. Exactly right. Absolutely right. You know, I'm glad DeMond asked that question, though, because I did want to ask you what you thought of the body language and the way that – Derek played last week. For me, from where I was sitting in the press box, it almost felt like he heard that noise last week a little bit too much, and he was thinking about it while he was out there playing. What did you see from D.C. last week? I saw a guy that just did not look comfortable, and um, for whatever reason that was, and I saw it the week before in in L.A. too against the Rams. It was just strange, Mm. and there's a lot of that noise going on, and and we've all really heard it since before the Colts game when he broke down at the podium, Um, and we thought, okay, well, that's it. But, but how many times have we sat back and said, okay, that's it, they're moving on? Mm-hmm. Well, we we got to wait and see. Um, I'm sure they've got a plan in place if, if they do uh, <laughs> choose to move on. 
But right. but at the same time, there's still games to play. There's still playoffs are within reach. You know, uh, ESPN's uh, Pro Football Index has them right now with only a 4% chance. But if they can run the table, that jumps up to over 50%. So a lot of other things have to happen. But body language, um, again, I, I, I do buy into things like that. Yeah. And I can't really, um, you, know, you can't put a number on it. You can't really touch it. You can't feel it. But you can see it. And there's something that just hasn't been right the past couple of weeks. Again, if there's nothing else that this season has taught us to you, it's that whatever you see, it's the old Richard Pryor bit, right? Who are you going to believe, me or your lion eyes? <laughs> right, exactly right, exactly right. Paul Gutierrez is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And let's say, Ralph, this just got a couple more questions for you. Darren Waller got in the end zone last week. He was excited about that, kind of threw a little shot out there to everyone who was talking about his music videos and this, that, and the other, and that's fine, whatever. He got into the end zone. How big are these next uh, couple games for Darren Waller and even Hunter Renfro just to show who they could be in this offense? Well, there's no doubt. I mean, and you saw that they were in the offense at the beginning of the year, and there was the, the growing pains that were there, too. So I do wonder, if, with all the trade rumors that were out there, if it's not just an audition, I'm not even going to say it because people will misinterpret and take it that I think that Darren Wall is on the trade block. No, I'm not going to say that. But you do know this. Any film any player puts out there of himself, it's not just for the team they're playing for. Right. It's for 31 other teams that might be interested. So if there's all these winds of change coming and everything, and yes, we do realize that, that he signed the extension this offseason, same thing with Hunter Renfro. Um, but you've got you to remember, too, that other teams are looking at him and watching, too. So I'm not suggesting that they're on the trading block. I'm not saying that Darren Waller's not coming back. But it is a very important piece of it because that was one of the main storylines coming into the offseason. I remember talking to Darren about it, and I asked him, what did you think when you saw you know the Patriots offense and, and – how he could potentially fit in it. He said he was watching a lot of old Patriots film, and all he saw was, quote-unquote, Gronk running wild, and he envisioned himself in that role. So, you know, when, when you got Devontae Adams taking guys off to the side and you got Hunter Renfro taking away the, the middle and underside, underneath the field, yeah, that, that's going to be Darren Waller running wild down the middle, and that's exactly what you saw when he's running up the scene for that touchdown last week. So huge, huge, huge opportunities for both of those guys, uh, especially these last few games. I also saw Darren Waller... Uh, lay out and try to catch a ball that was meant for Devontae Adams, and it just seems like that's happened more times than not. A couple times to Devontae, uh, one with Hunter when they ran into each other in Kansas City. Obviously, that play right there, uh, Darren and Devontae in Tennessee. It uh, just seems like that they just don't quite have a 100% grasp of that playbook just yet, Paul. And when you're not out there on the field together, it's going to take that much longer to get there. And right. you know, the fact that these guys have only been on the field for what the last before last week, it was week five was the last time they were on the field together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was at Kansas City, and that's the game you're talking about exactly, where Hunter and, and Devontae run into each other at the very end of the game. Yeah, I mean, it's not the, the easiest playbook in the world to master anyway, but when you're missing time, and time on task especially out there in real-life situations, that's where it comes up and bites you. Speaking, keeping with the theme of, hey, these last three games, the defense, they've been playing improved as of late. Do you think that Patrick Graham, not to sound so gloom like everyone's job on the line, but he's done enough to convince the staff, or excuse me, the front office, that all he needs is another year to get that defense of players that he wants in place, and it's actually a good system? So you're taking the, the Derek Carr playbook here with us? <laughs> I just need one more year. Give me one more year with my weapons. No, that's, that's, that could be seen as a cheap shot. I'm not trying to say cheap shot. It's, it's the day before Christmas. Or there day you before go. Christmas Eve. Um, yeah, again, it just, you know, the NFL guys, as we know, it's, it's what it's, you know, the not for long league. What have you done for me lately? And, yeah, they have looked better. 
But so much of that is because now you got Chandler Jones actually showing up and, and creating havoc on the other side of the ball. And, you know, when he only had half a sack through half the season, oh, well, you guys just don't see what he's doing. Well, yeah, we haven't because he's not showing up on the stat sheet. And, and when you sign somebody to be an edge rusher to help out Max Crosby, you need that. So now he's doing it. Um, and you see Max Crosby still doing what he's doing, uh, you know, pro bowler. And, and it's, it's interesting to see not so much the scheme so much as the success that the scheme may actually present. Um, you know, that was a damning indictment on him that Baker Mayfield dropped on, on, on Patrick after the, uh, the Rams game when he said he was shocked at the coverage they were in. Yeah. Um, and it took, what, three weeks for, for the coordinators to speak to us again after that? So I don't know if that was by design or not. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, he, he took he took total ownership of that and said, look, that was the call I thought was going to work in that situation. It didn't. I learned from it. We move on. Yeah, no, and that's all you can do. That's all you can do. The damage was already done. Well, finally, Paul, we'll wrap up with this. The question I threw out there for everyone was, if you can gift the Raiders one gift this holiday season, what would you give them? So I ask you, you've been covering the team for a very long time. You can give them one gift. What would it be? I would give them all. You know, I don't know if you were in the locker room that day when Devontae Adams gave uh, all the players uh, some Jordans uh, that day. Uh, oh, I would no, give them I was all not. A book. I would give them all a, yeah, because he was asking, you know, he was looking for a multi, for a media star, size 12. I, like, well, I wear size 12. And all of a sudden, Adam Hill said that he could fit his foot into a size 12. Said, Adam, you don't wear a size 12. But he squeezed what he did. But no, there was just one extra pair of shoes. Um, well, anyway, he gave a bunch of shoes. I didn't give any to the media. I wouldn't have accepted them anyway, right? Because we can't. But if I could give the Raiders a gift, I'll stick on that same thing. I'll, I'll uh, get autographed books from uh, Lincoln Kennedy, and I'd sign it to him. we give a book to every person in the locker room. How about that? There, boom, there it is right there. Hey, man, I'll tell you right now. If I'll these tell, walls could talk. I'll tell, right, I'll tell you right now. If the walls could talk and I was in there and he had a size 13, I might think about it. I'm just saying. I know we can't, but I would at least think about it, man, because at the very end of the day, you could always re-gift them. You could always just True. say, hey, I, I took him for a gift to give him to my, my homeboy because I wanted to make sure he had a great Christmas. So <laughs> there's that. Paul, Paul, fantastic stuff. His piece out right now on ESPN.com. There's still a chance how the Raiders can make the playoffs. Uh, I know you got some more stuff coming out. Go ahead and drop some nuggets on us again one time of what you got coming up. Yeah, just looking forward to, to jumping in and seeing what what comes out of this game, and then we, we take stock again and see where Derek Carr is heading into the last two weeks, if not the final week, and if you know, written the story numerous times over the past few years, but it's almost like, okay, well, this time we really mean it. But <laughs> thanks for having me on, guys. Happy holidays to you and yours. And only on your show can we get a Richard Pryor, a Dumb and Dumber, and a DOC reference all in the same 15 minutes. Exactly right. Exactly right. Happy holidays, Paul, to you and yours. Thanks so much, my man. I appreciate you. There he goes. Fantastic stuff, man. Great stuff. Paul Gutierrez right there, ESPN. And shout-out to Devontae Adams. Got that Jordan, uh, that Jordan love right there. Damon. I ask you this, and, I'll, and, and honesty is a good thing. If, if Devontae looked over and he was like, "Demon, it's my last pair of J's, man. They're yours." Oh man, I'm not Paul Gutierrez. He has that journalistic integrity. <laughs> I'm just a dude that talk on the radio. <laughs> Hand him over. I I'm, dap him up and everything. I'm not mad at you at all. Like I said, man, I would think about it too. He'd be like, "You man, these are twelves. I know you wear a thirteen, but you you got find some use for them." Yeah, I think I can find some use. They for already them. say we on the payroll. <laughs> That's and true. That's you true. guys might keep it real. I might as well. I might as well actually get something out of it, right? <laughs> no, God knows I ain't got a dime out of it. Even though, if I'm on a payroll that I ain't never got paid on, I'm doing something wrong. Something's wrong with me. 
<laughs> I need to check with the accountant. Maybe they ain't got my numbers, right? Maybe they ain't got my account number because that deposit sure ain't in the che- in the checking account. Three nineteen is the time. Buffalo Wild Wings is our spot. Many thanks to Paul Gutierrez who joined us right there from ESPN.com. One fifty East Centennial. Come on by, hang out with us. We got a lot of prizes left. Topo Chico girls are walking around with the Hop Valley drinks. They're hooking them up. They're doing all kind of good stuff out here. So come on out here and be a part of it with Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. We're here at Buffalo Wild Wings, 150 East Centennial. Every Friday we're at a different Buffalo Wild Wings. Now we're on the NOF today, so come on by, hang out with us, get hooked up with some of the prizes that we have. We'll be here till 5 o'clock. We just heard from Paul Gutierrez from ESPN's NFL Nation. We'll hear from Brooke Pryor. She covers the Steelers for ESPN. We'll hear from here in a matter of minutes. But right now we want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. A show wouldn't be a show without Raider Fish and Berkeley. Welcome to the show, my man. What's on your mind? Oh, what's going on? Hey, I was on hold, but I had to I had to hang up because the ghost of Christmas future dropped in on me, Okay. <laughs> So I had, I, had, I had to address that, uh, and he gave me a vision. But, hey, let me tell you what we watch for the holidays. We watch highlights and reruns of the greatest Raider games. That's the Christmas movie I like to get down with. Uh, Christmas gift, I think you're asking for what, what would we like for the holiday season. Is that the question? No, what would you gift the Raiders? One gift, what would you give them for the holidays? Uh, Man, I'm not going to overthink this, man. A playoff berth this year, baby. Okay. We need a playoff berth. And I want to reiterate, uh, you know, if we could get away with it, if the weather allows it, we need to go hurry up. That car, I'm pushing, man, we're going to have to rename it the carpool offense where we go hurry up. Uh, we're going to make it a point, one drive per quarter. Even if they run plays or short dump-offs and screens, the object, let car decide what's happening. And we're going to snap that ball. Hey, 15 seconds. We don't want no more. Act like the play clock run out at 15 seconds. So around 20, you need to be clapping your hands, going kill, kill, kill. And he good, he good. Okay? No more of that. We need to hurry up. H-U-R-R-R-U-P. Hurry up. Hey, show up, show out, and holler uh, Merry Christmas to all. And just win, baby. When you go out, wait there you go. Thank you, Raider Fish and Berkeley. Appreciate you, my man. And he's thinking in the short term as well when it comes to a gift. See, you got to sometimes think about it. Like you said, you weren't going to overthink it. Sometimes you got to think about it. Like the gift that I gave was a dominant defensive tackle. That's the gift that's going to keep on giving. It's not just going to be this season, right? If you give him a playoff berth, then that means, okay, then you're anticipating that what? Getting him into the playoffs is going to get him to the Super Bowl? And maybe it will. I just want to go ahead and give him that dominant player for years to come. That's what I'm looking for. Now, uh, again, your gift is your gift, so I'm okay with that. Mailman Raider in San Diego, hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Tell Kevin I got a copy of Soul Plan. I can mail it to him. Hashtag low-budget classic. Big Dub Raider said, Q, you're 1,000% right. Soul Plan was terrible. A few funny parts, but overall, terrible movie. Go Raiders. Uh, Mailman Raider also said, confirm, Paul Gutierrez versus Derek Carr, round two, next press conference, laughing my ass off. So there you go. A couple texts that we got in on the don'tbebroke.com text line. And you can hit us up as well, 69187, keyword R&R. One from the uh, 815, I give him a linebacker or a safety to guard Kelsey. Raiders. There you go. I like that one as well. Uh, Let's see. We got some more. We got another good one coming through right now. Uh, 
Wait, hold on. There it is. Raider Jay and San Rafael's hit us up a couple times a day. He uh, he said we need to not allow the cold weather to be an advantage for Pittsburgh. Devontae Adams and Josh McDaniels both played in cold weather sta- stadiums. They should know how to advise us on how to stay warm. In old days, players would rub Vaseline or something like that uh, to form a thermal layer. It closes your pores and keeps the heat in. Uh, there you go. Some uh, tips to stay warm. I know Hardcore Raider hit us up uh, the other day and gave us some tips on how to stay warm and what they've got to do as well. So we definitely appreciate that. And you can always hit us up as well, 702-365-9200. Again, we got Brooke Pryor from ESPN's NFL Nation coming up in a matter of minutes to talk all things Franco Harris and what happened with him and the uh, the situation as far as his uh, you know recognition and all the ceremonies that they had today there in Pittsburgh. So we talked to Christopher Car- Chris Carter earlier today just about the game. We're going to solely focus on Franco Harris with Brooke Pryor coming up at 3.30. So, uh, Damon, you want me to take a quick break, or what do you want me to do? All right. He said take a quick break, so that's what we'll do. We're here at Buffalo Wild Wings, 150 East Centennial, Raider Nation Radio, 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. And here we are. I'm excited about this next conversation we're going to have. Again, Buffalo Wild Wings is our location, 150 East Centennial. Every Friday, we're at a different Buffalo Wild Wings. This side, we're on the north side, so come on out and hang out with us. But joining us now on the phone line, again, very excited about this conversation, Brooke Pryor, ESPN's NFL Nation, covers the Steelers like a glove. And, Brooke, thanks so much for your time. Wanted to have you on. Was excited to talk to you because I know that you were one of the last people to talk to Franco Harris. You went out to the Heinz uh, History Center, and you talked to him, and you got to see some fans that he was interacting with. What was that like when you talked to him on Tuesday and then obviously heard what happened on Wednesday? Yeah, uh, it was really incredibly jarring um, and pretty surreal, right? I mean, I was lucky enough to have an interview with him Tuesday morning. I went to the Heinz History Center and actually the Western Pennsylvania Sports Museum that's inside the History Center uh, to talk with him about the statue that's in the Pittsburgh airport that everyone, if you if you fly in through Pittsburgh, you are going to pass that statue. And I was just curious about, you know, how it kind of came together, all this stuff, and so that's what I sat down to talk with him with. Actually, we're sitting right in front of the statue's twin that is at the History Center. And the coolest thing that Franco said to me was that this statue was only supposed to be up for six months when it first went up. And he and that was back in 2004, I think. And here we are in 2022, and it is still standing. It has become such a landmark. That's what he said. He said, "I it was only supposed to be up for six months, but here I am still standing. And it was... Watching the video back of that interview gives me chills now. Um, and then after I finished talking with him, there was a family that was hanging out, uh, kind of waiting for him to wrap up, a uh, dad and two daughters, and they got to meet Franco. He quizzed them about the 1970s, um, talked to them about playing tennis and golf, told them how he learned to play golf at Penn State. And it was just a really cool um, moment to see the interaction between him and the family and Everything that I have heard about Franco this week just echoed what I saw, that he was so personable. He just wanted to interact. He didn't want anything from you. Um, I actually talked to his son, Doc, today at the replay of the Immaculate Reception, and Doc said that this week's been really special for him to hear about all the things that that his dad did um, and to hear about everyone's connections with him. So, obviously, really sad and tragic timing, but it's the silver lining has just been hearing how much joy he brought to so many people. 
Yeah, and as you were talking about it on uh, ESPN, I believe you were on with Greeny the other day, right after it happened. And I was listening to what you were saying, and you know, you were saying his wife Dana was saying, "Hey, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go." And he wasn't worried about that. He was like, "You know what? I'm going to sit here and talk to this family." And really, for everything he was on the field, it sounds like he was an even better guy off the field. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's exactly what happened, Dana. You know had to keep Franco on a tight schedule because he had so many other things to do that day. Found out he also talked with Chris Mad Dog Russo. He did a podcast with Cam Hayward. I mean, this was just the start of an incredibly busy week. And so Dana's, you know, trying to keep him on task. But Franco had time for everyone. And that is just probably the most special thing about him is that not only did he have this play that changed the franchise and changed the NFL, but it, it, it he's more than that. He's He's a guy that that is a, a real human being that takes time to connect with other people. So it's, it's been really cool to, to hear about that with, with everyone, you know, sharing their stories this week. Talking right now with Brooke Pryor here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, talking all things Franco Harris. So what has been going on in the past couple of days? I know that there was, as you mentioned, the replay of the Immaculate Reception today. What has kind of the ceremonies been like and, and all the tributes been like for Franco leading up to tomorrow's game? Yeah, well, honestly, it's been pretty pared down. Um, there was supposed to be an event Thursday night at the History Center, a, a panel um, that was going to include Franco. That got canceled. Um, just, you know, I, I think out of respect for the family. But today there was the replay at the stadium. That was supposed to be bigger, but the weather here is uh, not great, to put it lightly. <laughs> right. um, it was negative 2, negative 3 at about 340 when this was happening. Wind chill felt like negative 25. I can tell you I was out there. I felt all every single one of those negative degrees. Mm. Uh, so they held it inside in uh, the Great Hall, kind of one of the concourses in the stadium instead of out at the marker. Um, but I got to stand right beside Doc and watch him, you know, watch his dad have that play. And he told me, you know, I've seen this play a million times. I've heard the radio broadcast a million times, but it's taken on a new meaning this week. Um, and then he told me that he was going to go to a party tonight. They're having an Immaculate Reception reunion party that, you know, Franco hosted every year for the last number of years. Mm. And he said that, you know, his dad would have wanted them to continue this because his dad loved nothing more than a party. So they were headed to do that. Tomorrow there will be the jersey retirement, number retirement at halftime, only the third one in the history of the Steelers organization to be retired because this is an organization that simply doesn't retire jerseys. So it's, it's pretty significant. Um, and, and all the guys that I've talked to this week, from T.J. Watt to Cam Hayward to Najee Harris, have all said, you know, we wanted to win this game already. This is already a big game, but now we want to win it to honor Franco. Do you think the team is going to do anything special when they come out of the locker room, like maybe wearing 32s or, you know, I mean, any, anything that they may do just to kind of show a little bit more honor for him uh, prior to the game? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. I believe that there's a patch, an immaculate reception patch. Um, maybe they've made special shirts. I am not totally positive of those plans. We actually were not able to be out at practice today um, because of inclement weather. The Steelers closed their facility and sent us B-roll um, of, of practice footage video um, of it, and we talked to the guys on Zoom. So didn't get a chance to talk with them about that, but it, it was really cool. Once again, I mean, like I said, I talked with fans about their connection with Franco. Hearing about it from inside the locker room, I mean, Najee Harris had a really tight relationship with Franco, um, and Najee said that he's someone he admired not only because of you know the player on the field, but because of how much he gave back to the community, and that's been a huge part of Najee's platform 
saying, hey, you know, if Franco came out to an event that he held in a parking lot, or I, I, Franco didn't come out to that, he sent a video, he wasn't able to come out, and then now he had another uh, charity event this fall that Franco left an alumni event to come to Najee's event. So mm. um, I, I'm sure that, that he's going to be out there playing for him, especially, you know, as a running back that had a, a good relationship with another, you know, legendary, iconic running back. Yeah, it's going to be something. It's going to be really special. Again, Brooke Pryor is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. My man, Demond's got one for you. When you were at the stadium today watching the replay with Franco's family, but what was it like, the response from the fans? Any interesting or cool tributes? And what was the response like talking to the fans about a Steeler legend? Yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot of cheering. Um, there were Christmas songs that were playing before, and then at, at 3.41, exactly when the play happened, you know, the, the game was being replayed. And as the, the moment of the play happened, the music went down, the radio broadcast came up, um, and everybody was watching the TV like it was happening in real time, and <laughs> lots of cheering got really loud afterward. And then it was really cool. Everybody kind of broke out into a here-we-go-Franco chant really loud. Um, Doc, who, his son, who, you know, I, he told me today that this week was all about celebrating his dad, and they would get to maybe the grieving process next week. He even got a little teary. Um, so it was, you know, there weren't necessarily thousands of fans there or maybe a couple hundred at most uh, because it was so cold and the roads were not great. But the ones that were there definitely got loud and definitely honored Franco. Yeah, it sounds like that the weather's really just been an issue in <laughs> Pittsburgh this whole week. But do you think that, as, as Doc said, with the family next week, they'll be able to grieve that once the weather gets a little bit better, maybe that there'll be like a celebration citywide, maybe? Maybe, I, you know, it, it's tough to say how they'll end up handling it um, because, you know, I, I think that Franco's family also probably wants to have something private um, just because so much of his life was shared with everyone that I'm sure they want to balance, you know, what they share with the public, also what they, you know, can, can kind of reflect on themselves. Um, but I, I'm sure that when the city and the team is ready, when, when the family gives the okay, he will be celebrated. And I would expect tomorrow the halftime ceremony to be even bigger than it might have been, you know, when, when Franco was still here. Brooke, as we let you go on this one, uh, what do you expect from the Steelers coming out of the locker room? I mean, they got a lot of emotions. You said the players want to win this one. They already wanted to win, but now they really want to win. What do you expect to see, the, or from this, to see from this team when they come out of the locker room tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be an incredibly motivated team, especially coming off a win against the Panthers that they really needed. Um, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't think that they were going to end up beating the Panthers because – they had just lost to the Ravens a week before with the Ravens having a really strong run game and the Steelers not able to run the ball much. And the Panthers have kind of a similar makeup of their team, at least they have in the previous week. Um, and the Steelers were able to kind of course correct on a lot of those things. I would expect this one to be another one of those games that's one in the trenches, two Alabama running backs going at it uh, against each other. And I, I'm excited to see that happen. I'm also interested to see how all these guys handle the cold. I mean, Najee Harris said today, like, it does not get this cold in Alabama. I said, well, Tua, you know, said that it snowed in, in Alabama. And he was like, what? Tua said that? He was like, it snowed one time, and it was after the season. So they practiced today indoors, all the doors open, all the windows open. But uh, it, it's going to be very, very cold. I don't know how the quarterbacks are going to handle throwing the ball. The, the, the guys, linebackers, defensive line, offensive line, I'll talk about how much it hurts 
when you get hit. So I, you know, I think it's going to be a painful one, and I will be glad to be in the press box. Yes, absolutely. Brooke, do everything you can to stay warm. Fantastic work as always. And thanks for sharing those memories of that conversation that you had with with Franco before his passing. We really do appreciate you. Like I said, you do great work, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Brooke Pryor, ESPN's NFL Nation. Fantastic work. You can follow her on Twitter at B.E. Pryor. That's P-R-Y-O-R. And she has her piece that she's talking about. Uh, She has it pinned to her Twitter account right now. It says, I went to the Heinz History Center yesterday morning to talk with Franco Harris about his iconic statue at the airport. Instead, I got a window into the person behind the play and his genuine love for an impact on a community of football lovers. Really good stuff on the .com, ESPN.com, that is. Brooke Pryor, Breyer right there does a fantastic job covering the Steelers. 342 is the time. 150 East Centennial is the spot. Buffalo Wild Wings, we do it every Friday with Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we're going to keep the party rolling. Nick Shook, NFL.com, NFL Network will join the show, talk all things NFL. Week 16 has gotten underway. Thursday night football, the Jaguars get the victory over the New York Jets and the Jaguars don't look now, but they're one of the hottest football teams in football right now. And the Jets are starting to reel. And, DeMond, I'm not trying to poke fun at you or, or poke fun at the Tennessee Titans, but, man, they're in a bad way right now. Jacksonville has an opportunity to really go ahead and win that division. Something I did not think I was going to say at the beginning of the season. This has been a weird season. It's, man. Scary. it's been a crazy season. It is. It is. They're, like I said, they're playing good. They're playing with confidence. And Tennessee obviously doesn't have Ryan Tannehill for the rest of the season. So there's, that's one thing. So Malik Willis is going to have to grow up quick, and we'll see what happens. But we'll talk to Nick Shook coming up at 4 o'clock, all things NFL. Just talked to Brooke Pryor from ESPN. Fantastic stuff on Franco Harris. We threw out the question to you, and we want to hear from you. 69187, keyword R&R. So Text line, also the phone number is 702-365-9200. If you can gift the Raiders one thing, not multiple things, just one thing for the holidays, you can give them one holiday gift, what would it be? All day Raider A hit us up and said the gift I would give the Raiders for Christmas is to let your boy Q be the sideline reporter. That way when McDaniels is not being aggressive with the play call and Q could get at him. That's all day Raider A. And You know, I would obviously I want to do that anyway. I want to be the sideline reporter. But I just think that it's always, I guess for me selfishly, it's, it's, it's fun to be able to talk to the coach going into the locker room. You know, okay, so there's been two quarters played. All of a sudden you catch up to the coach going in. Hey, coach, your team is down or your team is up. What are you seeing? What do you have to do? What are some of the – you know, just kind of get their, their, their thoughts immediately in that moment. And it kind of – I don't want to say it catches them off guard, but it, it doesn't allow them to have too much time for coach speak. It almost is like whatever's on their head, the top of their head, sometimes they'll, they'll say it. And so then you go into the second half and then you watch the game and then you see how it all shakes out. Then you catch them up immediately after the game, right? As soon as they finish shaking hands, hey – Coach, your team just won. Chandler Jones just had a walk-off. You know, what was going through your head when you saw the lateral? Or, you know, just kind of get those raw emotions right then and there. I think it's fantastic stuff. Some coaches are so good that they're kind of buttoned up all the time. But I think that I think Coach McDaniels would give a little something. So I like that gift, too, all day, Raider A. That'd be a good one for me as well. LJ said, I'd love to see us win win out. Playoffs or no playoffs. Starting 2-7 and seven and finish 7-1 and one would set the foundation for the upcoming offseason and 2023 season. It's about what's in front of us, not as what in our review. That's from LJ. I like that. That's really good stuff. Uh, Mailman Raider hit us up. I've heard playoff birth twice now. How about we get an upgrade to a uh, – how, how, how about we upgrade that to a playoff dub? The birth was last year. Okay. That's Mailman Raider. He's talking about the gift. and uh, Multiple people said a spot in the playoffs, and he's talking about going and get a victory 
in the playoffs. How about Raider Ron? What's he thinking? 702-365-9200. Welcome to the show, Raider Ron. Yeah, Q and DeMond, Merry Christmas to you guys. You too, brother. Hey, uh, I'm gifting Derek Carr the, the best uh, games that he's played in this year. Um, and I think it's important that he plays really well. And I know the, the Derek Carr haters are or we're in their ugly head again trying to, you know, get rid of him and stuff. But um I'm gifting him the best games of his of this year or his career. Okay. So. I like it. I like it. Gifting gifting D C the best the best games uh, of his career. There you go. Nothing wrong with that. And it'd be great to see him have those games. You know, we talked about it last week. We were talking about uh you know him going out and having that hero game and he, it did, that didn't happen. That's not going to happen this week. I feel very confident saying that's not going to happen this week with all the elements. Uh, I'm really interested to see how this was going to shake out as far as the passing game goes and, and if it's going to be a factor or not or if it's going to be a game that's strictly uh, pretty much for the ground game, which is kind of where I'm leaning, what I think. And for the most part, everybody that we've talked to you know, all day, from Chris Carter to Paul Gutierrez to Brooke Pryor, all a lot of the run game, right? Because, I mean, that's just basically what it's going to be. And, you know, guys talking about it, and Brooke just mentioned that, you know, guys are saying it hurts to get hit. You know, it hurts your body, and I can only imagine what guys' hands are going to feel like when that ball is slapping their hands. And, of course, they have gloves on, but at the end of the day, man, it's still going to be a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a pain when they have to catch that ball, put their hands up there. So I wonder if there's going to be some deflections. wonder how many turnovers there's going to be, how many times someone's able to get the, the ball stripped out of their hands. You know, one of the big things about Kenny Pickett going into the draft was that he had small hands. So that's going to that's going to hurt him in that in that regard. If someone like uh, Chandler Jones or Max Crosby can get back to him and you know, kind of wave their arms around him, there's a potential that maybe you know he'll fumble the ball and the Raiders can get a get a short field. So uh, there you go, good stuff, man, good stuff. Definitely appreciate it. Uh, let's go back out to the phone lines and talk to Juan the Smasher. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's up, Q? What's going on? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. I know that's right. <laughs> hey, Q, to answer your question, what would I give the Raiders? I would give Josh Jay an extension. You know what I'm saying? Sign this fool for four more years so I can keep on rocking that guy's jersey. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's what I want to see. Come back. And um, other than that, that's all I got, Q. And one more thing, I, I got bad news, too. You know, um, unfortunately, my mom's in the hospital. We got to spend um, Christmas here in the hospital, but I'm right here. I'm right there in her corner, you know what I'm saying? She's always been yeah. down with me. So it's my turn to return the favor, you know what I'm saying? But other yeah. than that, Merry Christmas, and you guys keep your head up. Let's go Raiders. All right, man. Merry Christmas, man. Prayers out to you, moms. Hopefully everything goes right and uh, goes well for her. And uh, you as well, man. So definitely uh, keep us updated. You know, that's that's what's most important at the end of the day, man. It's all about I me. Mean, we love, you know, football. We love the games. You know, we get passionate about it, but it's all about – it's all about, you know, the family. It's all about what, what really, really matters in life. So, yeah, man, uh, definitely prayers out to your family, and, and thank you for uh, calling and, and giving us a little bit of an update on what's going on. Crazy Raider Rad 2.0 hit us up on Twitter. It said, for Christmas, I'd give the Raiders a young Al Davis-type figure to run the franchise, bringing the talent evaluation, knowledge of the game, but most importantly, the leadership this organization has missed for decades. We won't win until that happens crazy raider rad right there 2.0 talking about bringing in a young al davis type figure to run the organization and you know look you got a a dude who i think is relatively young in the front office right now and dave ziggler as the gm not saying he's al davis i'm never gonna say that right i don't i'm not gonna say put that on anybody man you you know what i mean like i would never go there but you know he's he's a dude who looks like he's got a plan 
Sounds like he's got a plan. Sounds like he's, you know, sticking to what it is. He sounds like he's a guy who's very disciplined with, you know, money that he's willing to spend. And, for example, you know, think about the whole J.C. Jackson thing. And I know we've had multiple people hit us up and talk about that. But think about the whole J.C. Jackson thing. I was one of the guys that was like, man, go get that guy at all costs. Go get that guy at all costs. Go get that guy at all costs. And I think that the Raiders had some interest in him. And I think they had a certain amount of money that they said, okay, we're willing to spend this money on him if he wants to come here and be a part of this team. And he wanted to go for the biggest bag he can get. So Dave Ziegler, very patiently and, and, discipline, and, and with a sense of discipline, said, okay, well, you can go ahead and, and, and sign somewhere else. And now all of a sudden it looks like a genius move by him to not sign J.C. Jackson because, one, he didn't play but a minute with the Chargers, didn't do anything. Right, was getting burned routinely and just did not look good, looked like a shell of himself, what, what we all saw when he was with the Patriots and what we saw when he was with the Chargers in this little small time that he was actually playing didn't look very good, definitely wasn't worth the money that they spent on him, and now he's in trouble legally, right? I mean, just got arrested the other day. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on there, but every, every day it seems like that decision to pass on a guy like J.C. Jackson was smarter and smarter and smarter. Now, I'm not saying everything he did – was genius because I, I could say that they should have probably gone and addressed the offensive line and went and got some guys, and, and they didn't. But, you know, you're not going to hit on everything. You're not going to miss on everything. Uh, I just think that I think that you got to give Dave Ziegler an opportunity and Champ, Champ Kelly as well, you know, the assistant GM, to go ahead and, and bring in their guys, bring in who they want, put this team together in, the, in their vision, and see where it goes from there. You know, Vinny brings it up all the time that when these guys went to the draft, they went to the draft with, Mayock and Gruden scouts. They didn't go to the draft with Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly, Josh McDaniel scouts. They didn't. They didn't go to the draft with guys that have been, you know, traveling all over, watching college games all year long, in the vision of the players that Josh McDaniels wants for the team. They were going looking for Gruden guys, Mayock guys, Basaccia guys. So it's a different ball game. So I'm really interested. I don't want to get to the offseason too quick because we know how that goes. That means that the season's over. But I'm really interested when the offseason comes, how everything is put together this offseason when you know that they've had the whole year to say, okay, we're putting our guys in place. I think that that's really important, and I think we'll learn a lot uh, this upcoming, this upcoming offseason whenever that offseason hits. Like I said, I'm not in any hurry to go and get to the offseason at all. Uh, let's see, I got another tweet. Uh, Bill. Bill hit us up and said, Merry Christmas Q to you and everybody at R&R. 920, I agree with the big defensive tackle, a.k.a. Grady Jackson or Chester McLaughlin, and a linebacker who can go sideline to sideline. Let's go. Uh, and, yeah, man, there's those, those dudes, man. Grady Jackson was the dude. I remember he used to walk around the bay, and he just about ran the bay. That, that was a big cat. And then Chester McLaughlin, of course, uh, you know, Daryl Russell is a guy that I, I referenced quite a bit. I was a big fan of him as well. He was a hell of a player. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away, didn't. Didn't live long enough, man. I mean, he was one of those guys that, that just, man, he was one of those what-ifs, right? I mean, that was, that was very unfortunate when he passed away. Uh, but, yeah, the Raiders definitely need a guy like that. They need a big defensive tackle that could be that dominant dude. Uh, when, when the Raiders drafted Cleve Farrell, the guy I was hoping they were going to get was Quentin Williams. And Quentin Williams, obviously, is doing some really good things in New York with the Jets. He's up to 12 sacks, 12 and a half sacks on the season. And he missed a couple games because of injury. Think about that. That's how dominant. They need a dude like that. I don't care where they get them from. If it's a cat from Georgia, go great. And if they have an opportunity to get them, get them. I don't know. You know, I haven't done enough studying yet to see where he's slotted to go and where the Raiders are even going to be at. I mean, there's still some games left, so we don't know where they're going to be picking that. But 
I would love to see them go and get a guy like that that they could put in the center of that defense for years to come. 3.55 is the time. Again, we're at Buffalo Wild Wings, 150 East Centennial. Uh, we're going to be here till at least 5 o'clock. Come on by. we got plenty of prizes to get, hook, get you hooked up with. All you got to do is come on by and say what's up, and we'll do that. Coming up next as we kick off hour number three, Nick Shook, NFL.com. He'll join the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.